This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is summer. It is time on this show, as we do every year, for position previews every week leading up to fall camp. What are we starting with? We... Special teams? You know what? I think we could unofficially done the special teams like four weeks ago when uh, that LSU kicker transferred, and you got the uh, the Australian punter. No, I don't. Want, I don't want to talk about kickers and punters. I want to talk about who's going to be on special teams. Who's who are the gunners? <laughs> who's getting down there? Who do we have? Who's going to hold? That's a that's a big question. Who's going to hold on extra points? Now, what Vedral held last year, didn't he? That tells you who your backup is. Oh boy. You want to talk offensive lineman instead? You gonna put McCaffrey out at at holder? I want to put McCaffrey at gunner. <laughs> He'll get down there before it's caught. <laughs> I think he needs to put a little bit more weight on if you were not gunning people. <laughs> hey, if you run fast enough, if you are, if your velocity is high enough as a projectile, yeah. doesn't matter how much you weigh. Brandon Ragoni is the human embodiment <laughs> of that. Uh, that's Caleb Henry, K Lion Sports Director. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. This is the K Lion Husker Hour. We are previewing as Caleb alluded to, offensive line to start things off this offseason. We will have Evan Bland from the Omaha World-Herald joining us. Uh, He'll help us with the O-line breakdown. Um, Also some baseball news. He's the baseball writer uh, up there as well. Um, Some good baseball news. Um, I want to start, though, with some uh, some of the roster changes and commitments and transfers and all kinds of stuff. Usually uh, there's somebody, you know, entering the transfer portal, uh, that's that's exiting the program. That's kind of been a steady theme at, le- at least every other week, probably uh, mm-hmm. this off season. This week, though, a little bit of a surprise, a little bit of a curveball. Uh, it was somebody leaving somewhere else, coming to Nebraska. Yeah, and that is offensive lineman, former four star from the 2019 class, Ezra Miller, uh, who came f- comes from no no other than uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yep, coming to Nebraska. This one. Uh, it, he's not gonna be able to play this year, but he well, was he might. Time, he might. Yeah, yeah. If, hard, if he can get a waiver, I guess. yeah. So what happened was he left Iowa in Jan. He didn't play. Um, redshirted last year. Yeah, he didn't play a single snap last year in Iowa City. So he he redshirted, and so I mean he's got four years of eligibility. He uh, medically retired from football. Said it was back issues. And then said, no, it was mental health issues that he was dealing with, so he was entering the transfer portal. Now, when we look at that part of it, does the NCAA say mental mental health issues is something that they're going to grant a waiver for? And I think we've seen a little bit of a pattern for that as much as we can try to find any patterns in what the NCAA does with waivers. Mm -hmm. So he will have three, potentially four years to play in Lincoln. I think him getting a waiver is still in the air as a possibility for this fall, which would give him four years to play in Lincoln as a former four-star and now obviously walking on here with Nebraska. 
Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned he medically retired in January from Iowa. Um, said at the time to be a back injury. Now he, he described it as ma- uh, major depression and anxiety. Um, and so hopefully he's gotten that taken care of. It sounds like he has because he's you know agreed to, to continue to play football. Um, and, and yeah, you're, you're right that there are going to be um, some extenuating circumstances here. There's going to be some extenuating circumstances with a lot. We're going to see waivers be very different in 2020. Yes. The, 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 wa- got their hands oh, full. the waivers going into this fall for football – I mean, volleyball, you're pretty much already done, but football, we're still seeing a few things going to have to get worked out. Mm-hmm. Basketball waivers are going to be insane. Um, you're, you're going to see a lot of very, very different things that I don't think these decisions are necessarily precedent or going to be based on previous precedent yeah. just because this is such a different year with the pandemic, with missing the spring entirely, with not having the the winter sports championships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's affected the, the sports across every season although football and volleyball are in the fall they missed out on all of that spring how much does that affect something going into 2020 we're going to see decisions get made that probably wouldn't get made in other years yeah yeah so Ezra Miller he's in um, he's as you mentioned walking on um, at least for this season uh, the other addition for Nebraska uh, is a guy for the 2021 class this is a running back uh, Gabe Irvin he's a three-star commit uh, out of the state of Georgia, there's that Georgia connection again. Um, he's he is six one one ninety fast. It's it's another speed guy. Um, that's that's not going to be maybe the only running back in the class, but the fact that you got one and you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the off season here, uh, or once you get into the season, um, that's good. And he's Nebraska beat uh, Arizona State, Colorado. Uh, Michigan State and and Georgia as well, um, to name a few. He had more than twenty offers. Yep you you beat you beat out a pro, you beat out more than twenty other programs, and there's some good programs in there. It's not you're not going through and you beat out South Dakota State and Cincinnati and Moorhead. You beat out as you said Arizona State, Colorado, Georgia, yep. among almost twenty other schools to take a kid out of Georgia. That's a that's a pretty big deal to get that commitment for that three star running back. Yeah, so that that grows Nebraska's class a little bit. Um, you got look, this is kind of a, a different deal with this off season. Everybody's everybody knows that um, the dead period actually got extended out this week as well. Oh, it's out yes. to August thirty first now. Um, Nebraska's up to ten commits total. Um, this is the latest one, Gabe Irvin, and. There's still some big targets there. Thomas Fedoni is is chief mm-hmm. among them, uh, tight end out of Council Bluffs. Um, but Nebraska keeps their momentum going. Uh, you're going to have July. Was it July? July 13th is when you have that earlier period where you can start getting together and, and working out was as a team um, in smaller groups before fall camp in in August. Yeah, you have that smaller group part, and then it's July 24th that you have that extra two weeks would go in there, the unpadded walkthroughs yeah. up to 20 hours a week, and then you get into August for those four weeks that you would normally have the fall camp. Yeah, so so this is this is Nebraska keeping it going. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a Thomas Fedoni decision before the season starts. I uh, don't know if he was waiting to hopefully get to campus and, and interact a little bit more with the coaches. Uh, that that period of time is is pushed out yet again. Um, this is the fourth time. Yeah. Look, I don't know if like kids are, who want to be able to see a place before they go, I don't know how often that's going to be able to happen this offseason or during the season. Uh, 
the the more that cases pick back up nationwide, as has happened this week, mm-hmm. uh, even though Nebraska is still in a better place than than most, uh, it's obviously going to affect the way Nebraska recruits because Nebraska recruits nationally, and so you're you're going to have to rely upon you know we saw a little bit of like digital visits or virtual visits um, relationships that were built maybe before the pandemic, if these coaches were able to get down to, to places and see guys in person at their schools yeah. um, as juniors, that's going to be heavily relied upon at this point. Otherwise, you're just going to have to go on faith, essentially, as a, a, you know, a 17, 18-year-old kid without being in Lincoln, without meeting with these coaches in person a lot. That's very, it's so difficult on both sides of it. We talked about this early in the summer, um, that this was going to be difficult and it was going to hurt players like Heinrich Harburg, who wasn't going to get to throw in front of the coaches. And then like that very next week, they gave him the offer. And then the week after that, he accepted it. Yeah. Um, but I talked last night on road to recovery with Ryan reader, who's the AAU summer director for Lincoln Supreme. He's also the Waverly boys head basketball coach. So different sport, but those are players that normally here in the summer, those AAU tournaments, that's when coaches get to see a lot of these players. That's when you see a lot of that contact happen. Now, August is normally a dead period anyway, but you're missing out on all of these. You've missed out since mid-March when everything shut down. That's when they closed off all of the all of the recruiting and made a giant dead period here that's going to end up being most of the year. Now, what Lincoln Supreme is doing is they're going to film their practices and tournaments and things on Saturdays to try to send that out to coaches. But there's only so much you can do with film. You, like it, it's very different watching. We think back, and I know we're watching Nebraska K State um, up on the screen behind you, Cole, from uh, 2010. But we were talking about the 20, 2009 games. It's different watching Indomitian Sue on TV and watching him run someone over in person. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's just there's a very different feeling there from getting to witness that as a coach and then as a player. You're not able to build those relationships. Let's think about this last signing period when coaches went down into Florida. How many of them talked about their relationship that they were able to build with the coaches? We saw that um, with Gabe Irvin. He talked about the relationship he's built with this coaching staff. If you don't get to have that face-to-face and in-person and see the facilities or have that coach come down to your home, we don't get those stories about going out and pheasant hunting we don't don't get those stories about well the his mom and grandma cook really really well like <laughs> like we t- heard about with logan smothers yeah like we don't get those stories but they don't get those relationships to build upon that and that's what's going to be in my opinion one of the worst fallouts of this pandemic is the fact that life choices are going to be made without having that relationship that's normally a giant part of that decision Imagine Nash Hutmacher making his decision without getting to go fishing with Scott Frost or hunting or any of the outdoors. Completely activities. different world. We're oh, yeah. living in a different world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and look, this is not just affecting Nebraska. It's affecting everybody. Yeah. But there are, there are some, uh, obviously, some benefits for other schools that have a lot of their talent pool right near them. And those have been hashed out ad nauseum over the last 20 years surrounding Nebraska football. We don't need to do it now. But again, Nebraska recruiting nationally, the fact that you have these these you know case numbers for coronavirus kind of creeping back up again, that that affects Nebraska a little bit more 
uniquely than than other schools because they are out in so many different parts of the country with who they're targeting, um, states that they're trying to build pipelines to, like Georgia, uh, which is not close to Nebraska, obviously. Um, but it's you know this is a good sign that they're still able to pull kids from those areas like Georgia with Gabe Irvin uh, to where. You're not just throwing you're not throwing away anything necessarily yet. You're just you're just having to work harder, be a little bit more creative, and and that's what they're doing. Um, I want to mention this too before we get to uh, our break and bring in Evan Bland to, to keep uh, to keep the conversation going. Um, related to football, uh, Boyd Epley uh, retiring June 30th. He's he's retired before, mm-hmm. um, and and you know he, I think this one might be for good. I think it was important for him to be able to get back in and help Frost kind of reestablish Husker power, um, lay the foundation for what Frost's tenure is going to be like in terms of the weight room. Um, he was the guy that created it in the late 60s with Tom Osborne and Bob Devaney, so I uh, wanted to acknowledge Boyd Epley. Yeah, we, we've seen that happen with the old guard kind of come back to try to lay the ground. We saw Tom Osborne come back to be the athletic director. Now you got Boyd Epley. And we uh ESPN did a really nice thing on strength trainers mm-hmm. and talked with talked with Boyd and uh you really can't say enough about not only what he did for the University of Nebraska, but for what he started for college athletics. Yes. Um and and, and where that has all grown um in the past few decades. Yeah, it was it was taboo to be uh <laughs> you know, the 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 funny line was Devaney, you know, having Osborne pitch this to him and Bepley in his office and Devaney says, "Well, if if one kid gets slower, you're <laughs> fired." Well, that didn't happen. That kind of uh, the opposite effect. Yeah, it went really faster. well. Yeah, it went went quite well. I think everybody was pretty satisfied with how the uh, how the strength program ended up. Uh, just to just to be honest. So, um, all right, uh, hit our first break here. Uh, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, joining us next. Uh, starting our position previews this week. Offensive line will go first. Uh, we're going to roll through those within the next six weeks, taking us up to hopefully a normal fall camp. Um, more reopening stuff. How well is it going? How good is it looking? Uh, there's there's some cases that are rising. Uh, how's that affect football? Um, and some Nebraska ball news as well. Uh, we'll cover a lot more here on the KLI and Husker Hour right here on a Saturday morning. Back after this. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour. Rolling along here. It's uh, one week before the 4th of July. We will be here on the morning of the 4th. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a uh, little bit of looking back over the last couple of months, uh, a couple of our favorite interviews, uh, and then uh, some live stuff as well. We're going to break down another position, so uh, make sure you uh, tune in uh, here on the radio, on KLIN, uh, or on Facebook Live if you're watching at home instead of just listening. And uh, if you're watching at home, you're going to be uh, able to welcome Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald into your living room or your, uh, I don't know where you're at, your your back deck, your porch, you're in the car. Keep your hands on the wheel. Um, Evan Bland joining us now. Uh, Evan, I, I looked back through our guest list, and it turns out on March 7th we had you on. You were the last guest before all hell broke loose here uh, with, the, with the pandemic. So welcome back to A Brave New World. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, It's been a weird... Three months. I always say, you know, these last three months have felt like about five years, right? But uh, now, now we can talk sports, so that's that's good. Yeah, and uh, Scott Frost got to actually talk real football with the media last week. 
Um, we're previewing the offensive line today, and um, uh, we'll we'll uh, break it down further in the show. But let's start there with you too, uh, Matt Farniok sliding inside from right tackle to right guard. Um, the thought is that Bryce Benhart is the heir apparent there at right tackle, uh, and then the left guard spot is maybe to be determined, maybe not. Uh, what what does the offensive line look like to you coming into 2020, and how much is the offense going to rely upon how they can gel? quickly once we start playing football again yeah well you know I think the first thing that I look at with this offensive line is in relation to what's gone on with the pandemic because you know coaches former players current players people that I talk with say man the O-line is is often the hardest unit to bring together because you know you're, you're trying to bring five different guys together figure out what people have and so you know Nebraska missed out on 13 of those 15 spring practices, uh, but they have the luxury if they choose uh, to bring back all five starters from last year. And that's a big deal. I mean, Greg Austin, the O-line coach has said that that gives Nebraska a big leg up right away, even if, you know, the talent is or isn't what they want it to be. And I think it's coming along pretty well, but just that experience is a, a great little piece of, uh, of an advantage for Nebraska early on. Now, like you mentioned, they want Farniak to uh, you know explore putting him at guard putting Bryce Benhart out at tackle. Um, and and that's, a, that's a pretty strong group. And so I think what you'll have to look at in terms of a battle this fall will be at that left guard spot. So do you go back with Trent Hickson? Do you bring Bo Wilson, who was the right guard last year, onto that side? Ethan Piper, the redshirt freshman, that's another player the coaches have been really high on. Um, and then I think the other positions, you know, you, you kind of know what you have. You know, Brendan Hymas is going to be there at left tackle for a fourth year in a row. He's probably Nebraska's best draft prospect for 2021. Uh, Cam Jurgens took his lumps early on, but really came on late. It looks like their investment in him is going to pay off. And then, like you mentioned, Farniak on the right side gives them a veteran presence over there. So, you know, I think that group of five or six guys is, is really strong to start off with. And then you look at the group of six or so scholarship guys from the 2019 class who redshirted. What kind of look did they get maybe on special teams this year? Can they start establishing themselves uh, as solid number twos going into the 2021 season and beyond. So to me, when you look at Nebraska as a a whole, offense, defense, O-line is maybe one of a couple units maybe joining the defensive backs where they're bringing a lot of talent in, they're developing that talent, uh, and they have some depth maybe more than they have at that spot in a long time. Evan, talking about that depth, you bring back all of the experience. You've got the guys that redshirted this last year. And you've got the recruits that have come in. Uh, Cole and I were talking before the show that you talk. we always talk about depth, and then there ends up being just six, seven, maybe eight guys play. Is this is this the year that we might see a legitimate entire second line of guys that, that can play and do at some point? Well, you know, part of that, the, the Nebraska of old from 20 years ago, you know, they were steamrolling opponents. They were bringing in their second and third string to play entire halves a lot of the time. And when you look about the last few years with Nebraska, most of these games have been competitive. They've been close to the end. And so they haven't had that luxury to maybe bring in a second line as far as a, like a total line change late in the game. Uh, but, you know, again, I do think that the depth is coming along. The coaches have said that, you know, they prefer – to keep five guys in there. They started the same five players last year, every game. Uh, they were fortunate in that they didn't have injuries. And we've seen that in recent years where Nebraska's had to shuffle guys around and 
you know, recurring injuries have popped up. So, you know, in a perfect world, Nebraska would prefer to keep those, those five guys out there, but, but yeah, you want to see what those other players can do. You need, you're, you're going to need that depth because you've got, you know, a number of seniors on that line, uh, Hickson, Bando. Um, oh, I'm sorry, not, not those guys. Uh, Hymas, Farniak, Wilson, G- Christian Gaylord is another one. Those are some seniors that are going to be moving on after this year. So you want some confidence, some experience from these guys moving forward. Evan Bland joining us here from the Omaha World Herald on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, before we uh, get to some baseball, one more on football. The the way that Nebraska has been trying to open back up, they've they've gone. Um, they went with the June 1st return. Um, they're not publicly reporting their numbers uh, if they're testing and, and how many cases and, and whatnot, but um, hopefully everything's going well there. Uh, Maryland hasn't run into any cases. Meanwhile, you got Clemson um, that's up into you know half a hundred already. What what sense do you get that the season is going to? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to look normal, but but as as much as Nebraska can do to uh, prepare for having some unexpected cases pop up like what what do we know about what nebraska is doing that um maybe everybody's doing or maybe nobody else is doing yeah well like you mentioned you know they're not uh putting out there the number of positive tests that they may or may not have and that's not unusual about half of the fbs football programs nationally are not gonna just put that out there and and i think nebraska views that uh much as it does other kinds of injuries. They just don't want uh, to put that out there. They cite student athlete privacy, things like that. And that's fine. Uh, their system by all accounts is right up there with among the most stringent in the country though. I mean, they work with UNMC very closely uh, to establish a lot of testing. They had players, most of their team was on campus and had gone through its own self quarantine in May before they were able to start working out again with those voluntary workouts in June so they were ahead of the game. I think you look around the country, you see uh, some of the outbreaks at other schools have been because guys have, you know, been college, been college guys. They've gone out to, to bars or they've had different things going on and, and been exposed. I don't, we haven't heard really any reports of that sort of thing um, at Nebraska, but yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes you look ahead to the season and think, man, I mean, these student athletes, at least, you presume are going to be in classrooms. They're going to be living their lives in some fashion in addition to what they're doing with football. And so I don't think we can rule out the possibility with Nebraska or opponents or whoever else that there are going to be outbreaks, that there are going to be situations where key players on key football teams are going to have to quarantine and be unavailable for games for a week or two. And that's, I mean, that's a big deal. It's not, it's a bigger deal than, um, you know, just a standard injury because it, ha- it has the impact to affect others. Uh, obviously, there's there's the mortality rate that's gone on. Um, and so it's just <laughs> as, as chaotic as college football can be normally with injuries and things like that. This coronavirus kind of makes, you know, r- reports um, by the by. It feels like things change by the hour, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, and you don't know how that's going to shake out. So to me, it doesn't feel like this season maybe will play out fully as you expect. It feels like it'll probably start about on time, but man, I think if you're an administrator, if you're a player, if you're a fan, if you're in the media, you have to expect uh, things to change as this thing goes on. 
Switching gears to baseball where Coach Will Bolt didn't even get to go halfway through his inaugural season with Nebraska, but this past Monday, it was big for in-state recruits committing, highlighted by Gatorade Player of the Year, Millard West, Max Anderson, who was a Texas A&M signee. Evan, how, how big was this Monday, this past Monday, for Coach Bolt in the program recruiting in-state guys going forward with the next couple classes? Yeah, it was a big Monday, and... <laughs> At the rate that they've been getting commits, it feels like the roster's up to like 50 guys. But, you know, the, the Monday uh, flurry that they had, you know, one of them was a 2023 kid. So he'll be a, a sophomore, Tucker Timmerman from Beatrice. Uh, uh, CJ Hood was the other one from Norris, a 2022 kid. A lot of velocity, really athletic kid that they like as a two-way player. And then, yeah, the, the highlight of the day undoubtedly was Max Anderson for Millard West. I mean, he'd been committed to Texas A&M for almost two years. And the way it shook out uh, with the pandemic uh, and shortening the major league baseball draft, uh, a lot of players from Texas A&M who figured to get drafted weren't. And so that created a roster crunch. Nebraska was there. Max Anderson has always been a Husker fan anyway. And so that thing came together pretty quickly for them about a week ago. And then he, he threw out that commitment, but I mean, it's a big deal. You look at the the history of Nebraska Gatorade Players of the Year. Um, it's been a decade since the Huskers have had that guy play for them. Other guys have been drafted or played for Creighton or gone out of state. And so, you know, it's it's impressive for Will Bolt. And, and when he came on a year ago, he kind of laid out the blueprint blueprint for recruiting, which was put up a fence around the state, dip into Texas a little bit, and use the connections the staff has there supplement that with junior college talent and maybe the occasional player from the region and things should come together pretty quickly. And that's kind of how that's gone. They've, they've found some uh, talented players in the transfer market chance Roach from uh, New Mexico state. I think he will be an immediate weekend guy that they added recently. Um, and then they have a, a few upside guys. I mentioned, uh, well, Cam Wynn is a kid from Lincoln high uh, from the junior college ranks who came back uh He's, he's just a high potential kid, mid, mid, throws in the mid-90s, doesn't always know where it's going. And so you're also finding guys like that on the roster where they have some uh, pretty, you know, a great degree of talent, but maybe there's one thing missing and the staff believes it can develop that talent. So you, you got to think uh, this thing's coming together pretty well for Nebraska in 2021. And if some things click for some of those other guys, those high upside players, uh, this could be a, a lot of fun for this team here in the next year or two talking with Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald covers football and baseball. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this one with baseball. You mentioned the, the Gatorade player of the year deal where, you know, it's been over a decade since Nebraska's actually gotten that guy to come to Lincoln. What has the the Will Bolt recruiting strategy shown you so far? Is it is it more tailored to Nebraska? I think that was a criticism of of Darren Erstad in his time here where you didn't necessarily have uh, as much of a focus as a lot of people wanted on Nebraska kids as you know they would go out of state all the time uh, or down to Wichita State or Texas A&M or Kentucky. Uh, do, you, do you think it's, do you think Will Bolt's shown that he's going to focus a little bit more on Nebraska than Erstat maybe did? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, he's, Erstad, you know, he, he recruited some good players to Nebraska. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and his history was more, he was a number one overall pick. He was a, a longtime major leaguer and he became coach at Nebraska nine years ago at the request of Tom Osborne and, and took the team to regionals and did a good job. Will Bolt's kind of on the other end of that thing where 
he was part of some of Nebraska's most successful teams in the early 2000s, but he was one of the few guys on that club who was not even drafted. And so he went right into coaching and he's more, that's, this is more his wheelhouse is as a coach. He's, he's all about developing those relationships. Uh, he's pretty tireless as, as a recruiter. And I think the other thing that he does that gravitates, uh, that attracts a lot of players is he has this team first approach where he's going to identify certain skills in players and say, look, this is how this fits into the context of the team. You're a burner. We're going to, we're going to have you be aggressive on the base paths. You're a bopper. So don't worry about some of this other stuff. You know, you're, you're a defense first kind of guy. So these players come in, they figure out an identity, they figure out how that fits into the context of Nebraska winning baseball games. And, you know, that's attractive to these players who, who maybe know they have the skills, but they don't know how that translates into baseball. And so that's been something that's resonated with a lot of these guys. And like you said, we, we weren't able to kind of see how that played out in his first year with just 15 games before the season was canceled. But um, he has a track record of that elsewhere. And, and again, like given some of the talent, some of the talent that these guys have, uh, if they can figure things out, put together a lineup and, and translate that into baseball production, uh, Nebraska should be a lot of fun to watch for a lot of years. That's Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the K-Line Husker Hour. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, you were treated to Evan's The Office background there for Zoom. Uh, appreciate the time, Evan. Uh, go play a plank, uh, prank on Dwight for us, all right? You got it. Stanley Hudson's working hard today, even on a Saturday. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks a lot, Evan. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Evan Bland. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you can downplay the fact that they've had um, – that few of people, uh, that few of players from the state who have been the best player in the state and have not been to Lincoln over 10 years. Uh, and, and to, you know, Hey, whatever the circumstances were that brought Max Anderson, even though he was going to A&M, mm-hmm. I think you'll take him if you're a Nebraska baseball yeah, fan. Yeah. You still got him thing. And, and we found out that incoming volleyball recruit, Kalen Meyer was the, is the Nebraska Gatorade track and field athlete of the year for the third time. She's going to go play volleyball. When you get those Gatorade uh, Player of the Year in whatever sport, that makes your team better. Yeah. Now, now when you miss those in-state players, that's one of the things that we've talked about with Nebraska football, the number of in-state people that have been missed. Even even with basketball, the in-state players that have been missed, and obviously baseball. When you miss those, you have to have the in-state guys, and I think, as Evan talked about, Will Bolt has that blueprint own your in-state recruiting, and then dip elsewhere to supplement what you got because the, the baseball talent in Nebraska is good. You you can get some really, really good guys out of Nebraska, even if only you only recruited Lincoln and Omaha. But when you start to dip into greater Nebraska, you're really getting some good guys as well. Mm. I think that's where we're going to continue to see the recruiting go. Yeah, You'd certainly think so uh, based on the focus that, that Will Bolt's had on the state so far. Um, and yeah, maybe the uh, maybe the next Alec Baum, who went to Wichita State and was a, a high draft pick for the Phillies, um, maybe that kid is in Nebraska next time, and, and he's helping Nebraska get back into a little bit more consistent regional team. Um, who knows? And maybe we can play a full season in uh, 2021 hey, and see what Will Bolt can do. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, we're going to talk about whether or not you can see a full season of football um, this year. The reopening carousel uh, keeps swinging. Uh, we'll see how that's going. Uh, We've got some more news regarding uh, Nebraska basketball and our offensive line position preview. Uh, We'll kick that off when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour on your Saturday morning. 
giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Welcome back to the KLIN Husker Hour. Evan Bland from the World Herald just joining us. If you missed that or anything, you can always catch up on our Facebook page at KLIN Huskers or on the podcast page at KLIN.com. Um, Cole, you know something we haven't mentioned? We just we talked a lot of baseball. Yeah. Major League Baseball is coming back. Major League Baseball is coming back. They finally settled their... Kind of. Well, there was no agreement. They just defaulted back to the thing they agreed to back in March. Rob Manfred should have just imposed this two months ago. Yeah. But because of the way they're going to do the scheduling... I'm going to see a couple of Cardinals-Royals matchups that maybe hold a little bit more weight. Maybe. Although the Royals' history with the first 60 games of a season is not spectacular. Um, hey, as I, told, as I told Jack Mitchell, Royals fans rejoice. You're going to hit August and not be out of the race. That's fine. <laughs> Although we've seen that lately. Um, in in uh, 14, 15, and 16, they were still in it, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, you know, hey, they're, they're, I think their playoff chances went up from like Half a percent to fourteen percent. Yeah, I think they're projected. What was it? Like twenty-one wins. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what I saw projected. Something like that. Yeah. They only have to. What is it? They only have to win like nine games to avoid their ten. Ten. Yeah. Because the 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 least amount of losses they've ever had is fifty-one. <laughs> so. Uh. Or least amount. Yeah. Yeah, so you got to just just get ten. Yep, fun, fun with math and fun with the short season. <laughs> uh, so Major League Baseball getting there. Uh, NBA just did, uh, released their schedule. Yes, um, that they're uh, trying to do the uh, the bubble season down in Orlando. I'm super pumped about that. Um, good luck to them. Uh, you already had international soccer in in Europe kind of start up. Uh, Bundesliga in Germany is going to go on for weeks, um, and I think this is the second weekend of the Premier League um, in in the UK. So. Things are starting to get there, and what we've seen with uh, Nebraska is you, you've had people come back. Um, you've had other schools announce cases. Clemson just had more cases um, announced uh, just yesterday. I think they uh, announced a few more. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily great news there, but Nebraska is uh, they're they're all together. They're Still working out kind of separately. You're not working out as a team yet. And volleyball coach John Cook <laughs> kind of let it slip earlier this week that there's been one one positive on the football team, but that that's one. Yep. And, and even if if you're slipping up and you say that there was one, mm-hmm. okay, that feels pretty good comparative to what we're seeing across the country. Yeah. Um. Now we know we're not going to get the names. That's not something they're able to do. Yeah. Uh. In in the same way that we're what we've seen leaked a lot of times at the professional level. Um, but at least knowing the numbers, that's one of the things that can help everyone going forward. We saw this week um, in a CBS report that teams like TCU in, in Missouri, they're going to, they said they're not going to play schools that don't release or let them know the numbers of positives they've had that week. Now this is going to be interesting because is Nebraska going to release the numbers that week? That that maybe have had positive, or as part of that CBS Sports report, South Dakota State Athletic Director um, Justin Sell said they haven't been testing anyone at all. How is that going to affect? Because it, I mean, you're not required to. The NCAA or conferences haven't stepped in and said you're required. 
So Nebraska plays week three against the Jackrabbits. Mm -hmm. How is that going to affect scheduling going there if they're not required to be testing anyone who's come back to campus? Yeah, and you wonder if the Big Ten might take that decision out of Nebraska's hands and just be like, yeah, we're going to require other schools to disclose that information. And if you're not testing at all, yeah, we're probably not going to play you. Um, and and look, there's there's expense to that. And you saw just this week a Division II school, uh, Morehouse College in Atlanta, they decided to scrap the football season altogether. Um, it's the first one um, in the NCAA that's done that. Uh, I would imagine that you'll have some others follow. But they may just not have the funds to be able to test Mm -hmm. the entire team and the staff and then to do it again a couple weeks later. And, you know, that's that's a lot of money. And obviously Nebraska can afford that. A lot of schools in the Big Ten can afford that. Maybe... Maybe South Dakota State can't afford that. I don't know, and that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be something to pay attention to. Obviously, all right. Let's let's dig into this. The offensive line position preview. Um, we are just uh, well, just a couple months away from actual football if everything goes well, and we do this every summer here on this show to uh, to get through the summer with nothing else to talk about. Of course, there's more to talk about nowadays, but. Regardless, um, Nebraska, as Evan Bland mentioned, returns all five starters, though you might not see all five of them. You might not see all of them in the same places. Uh, there, that is a big advantage, especially mm-hmm. having a guy like Cam Jurgens, who improved throughout the year last year. Uh, not, not, not really anywhere to go but up after that first game when he was <laughs> sailing snaps over Adrian Martinez's head. Um, you have the two guys at Hy- in Hymas and Farniok with the most experience of anybody. Um, and then a couple question marks along the way. Uh, where are you sitting right now in terms of offensive line? Um, I mean, I feel good about four of the positions. I'm not sure what's going to happen at left guard. Now, we you feel good about Bryce Benhart. I do feel good about Bryce okay. Benhart. Just from hearing, from talking with Coach Frost uh, this past week, the week before, yeah. it sounds like Benhart's going to be at that right tackle spot. Now, if he's not. Are there guys that can step in there? Of course. And that just tells you that there's depth if Ben Hart's not not the guy going there right away. But I feel comfortable about Ben Hart at the right tackle. Farniok, he's uh Frost said he's gonna be he's gonna start out at right guard, and they know that they can move him right back out to right tackle if they need to, because that's where he's been. Cam Jurgens at center, then left tackle, uh Hymas. Now what do you do with that left guard spot? Because you had your twenty nineteen starter in Hickson, Trent Hickson, but then your right guard who started 21 straight times for Nebraska in Bo Wilson. What do you do with that left guard spot? You've also got your redshirt freshman, Ethan Piper. How much has he developed? Um, as we look at the the depth across these other guys, is Turner Corcoran able to go take a spot? He's a really highly touted tackle, but in the, um, the senior All-American game, he went and played some guard. Mm-hmm. Is that something that the coaching staff works with as well there? Uh, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. We haven't, we didn't get the spring practices to go through and see some of these things develop. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you don't know what happens with with your guy Brant Banks, who's got experience that no one else on the team has, and that's playing in a Big Ten uh, conference tournament basketball game. How much does that come into play? That uh, that part, last part, a little tongue in cheek, a little bit. Yeah, you know what? I I think that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're going to have two new starters on the offensive line. Okay. I I, I think you're going to get Hymas and Farniok and Jurgens. Okay. You'll have Ben Hart starting for the first time at right tackle, and I I do think that you might see somebody replace both Hickson and and Bo Wilson. Um, I don't I I 
you know, maybe you see one guy start there early on, but I think you're going to have, uh, maybe it's a guy like Brock Bando. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Matt Sichterman who's played a little bit as well. Uh, maybe it is Turner Corcoran as, as a true freshman, um, out of the state of Kansas. Uh, you never know. And look, Hickson, he surprised when he got some run and, and then ended up getting the starting spot. He's a walk on out of scut. Um, you you had some good stories, obviously as walk ons. I think maybe the best lineman did earn a last... scholarship, though. Yeah, yeah, he's earned a scholarship since then. Um, and, but maybe the best lineman in the last ten years at Nebraska, um, could be Spencer Long. Mm-hmm. The argument can be made he was a walk on from Omaha. So, not necessarily a bad thing to have a guy like Trent Hicks and get that. But if you can have somebody like Turner Corker and grasp the offense right away, um, if you can have a guy like Matt Sichterman, who's a junior now, he's been in the program for a while. Um, out of Ohio, and and he's got a lot of experience in in college football, and now two years with Frost and Greg Austin. Maybe that is the way to go. I don't know if you just defer to Hickson. I think the staff does tend to defer to the guys who have experience in this yeah. in this uh, offense or defense, for that matter. Um, we we've seen that too. I I'm very interested in that spot. That's really the one I agree. That's that's kind of up in the air at this point. Uh, with Ben Hart as as the the probable guy at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Now, I really like from any everything we've seen with Corcoran. I think he could go steal one of those spots. Yeah. Not just left guard. I think he might be able to steal right tackle. He could be in that medal too. Yeah. So it, if and that's the thing as we talk about depth and there's only so much we can talk about it without actually seeing things play out in camp, um, and you get to the first game and see maybe how some of the guys are, are reacting to what live reps are going on. But from what we've seen, if you put Corcoran in at right tackle, now you know that you can throw Benhart out there, and he's going to – that's a more than suitable backup to run in there. Yeah. But even the other way around, now I know with the amount of guys that redshirted last year – I think Coach Frost would like to redshirt linemen if possible mm-hmm. because you give them a year to develop, go through that strength program. Um, I'm sure we're going to see is Alex Kahn was, yep. was another yep. um, signee. I'm pretty sure we're going to see him redshirt. But Corcoran is on, on such that line, almost like what we saw at the running back position last year with Ramir Johnson. You saw some flashes and said, well, maybe we need to get him out there just because of depth with the running back. We need, we need to get him out there and see what happens, but they defaulted to, to redshirting him. I think we might see that with Corcoran as well. That is the nice thing, though, about getting the four games. Yeah. Because if you see Corcoran go out and just start pancaking guys and pulling and running dudes over and lead blocking downfield and uh, doing a whole bunch of great protection in the backfield, well, then you kind of got to leave him out there. Don't but leave it, a choice, yeah. But if, if you see some more growing pains going on, some some freshman mistakes uh, that, okay, maybe he's just not ready. It might not even be a mental thing. Maybe he's just not physically strong enough. He's a big guy, but may, maybe there's just something going on. Yeah. Then you go with the red shirt. That's the nice thing about the four games that you didn't have a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a guy I'm going to think is going to surprise this year who's who's not not a true freshman, but somebody who's been on the roster um, and I want you to do the same. Um, Jimmy Fritchie. Okay. Um, we, we haven't seen him much. Uh, he might have played a little bit last year, but he redshirted. Uh, remember, this is a kid out of South Carolina that Clemson was after, mm-hmm. uh, and Nebraska got him late. Uh, I, I, I don't know that he'll be in the mix to start, but maybe he gets a few reps late. 
Um, maybe he gets in if somebody gets injured. Um, he's he's pretty big, six seven, two seventy five. Um, Nebraska's gotten pretty big, pretty quick at the uh, at the offensive line positions, uh, really across the board. So uh, I, I think Jimmy Fritchie is a guy you could see surprised. What about you? Um, and I mentioned his name, but it's it's Ethan Piper out of Norfolk. Yeah, redshirted last year. I think he's definitely going to get some run on special teams. Mm-hmm. He moves really, really well. Only six four, and you say only six four, three hundred pounds. Like, he's a small guy on the line now. Yeah. But when you look at what you're able to do in the speed offense, he can pull. And you know he can move as a guard, and that's going to be one of the things that they're going to do a lot of is get those pulling guards out front. It worked really, really well under Osborne and Solich, and um, it worked well under Bo Pelini, getting those guys that can get out fast and run and lead block downfield. I think we're going to see a lot more of that continue with Coach Frost. But I think Piper's one of those guys we're definitely going to see on special teams. Maybe has to go in and just spell some guys, but he's not beholden to the red shirt now. He's already got that year out, so if you have to run him out for one, two plays every game, I think he's going to go out and do well, and I think by the end of the season he earns a few series a game. If, yeah. if that, and hopefully all of this is also on that there's no injuries. Yes. That, that, that's one of the things that we have to, for the baseline, no injuries. Now if there's a couple injuries, you're going to see a lot more guys get run. Certainly. And Nebraska, as, as Evan Bland mentioned in our last segment, Nebraska started all five guys, all 12 games. Yep. Um, they had the you know they they were fortunate with injuries. You saw some guys get you know nicked up a few snaps and come back in, uh, but everybody's the, fi- the same five guys started every game. That's that's a pretty big rarity in in today's college football with as much as uh, as injuries are prevalent. And All we right. glossed over it for just a minute, oh, but yeah. but Cam Jurgens at center. You you can't talk enough about a center returning with this offense on yeah. on any offensive line the center coming back and he's got a couple more years to go absolutely yeah definitely looking forward to seeing the steps that he can take in this offseason all right that's offensive line good to start our position previews this uh going quickly offseason uh, we will come back um, some news on nebraska basketball that you might not have heard um, and then uh, how is the reopening going elsewhere uh, across the country? Good signs, bad signs. Uh, we'll get to all that when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. A quick congratulations to a pretty amazing career with the team that he played with, uh, Jason DeRusso, mm-hmm. Husker basketball player. Um, he left to uh, go overseas to play professionally, went to uh, Netherlands, played with Donar, and uh, was the 2011 league MVP, uh, two-time defensive player of the year, uh, and they won five league championships in the uh, the Dutch Basketball League. He's uh, he's part of ways with that team. I don't know if he's retiring from basketball altogether, if he's still going to try to play somewhere else. Um, but Jason DeRusso, uh, tip of the cap to him from uh, from all of us here uh, in Lincoln who watched him play at Nebraska, uh, or me, I was uh, in the same class as him mm-hmm. back in high school. He was at Burke. Uh, I went to Bellevue West. I did not play, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, but that was the big rivalry in, in uh, Nebraska high school basketball. It was Burke and Bellevue West, and him and Roy Enright um, gave the, the, the Thunderbirds their only loss my sophomore year. Um, but the the T Birds got revenge in the semifinals and yeah. won the championship. But big uh, that was that was pretty cool uh, to see the outpouring on social media for Deruso from Husker fans, um, leaving a place where he had a ton of success. And uh, for a program that doesn't see a lot of that from its alumni, pretty cool to see. Well, not just for for, for the program is Nebraska, and obviously that's what we're focused on here with the Huskers. But 
just a, a kid to come out of the state of Nebraska. That too. Go play professionally somewhere. Because right now I know someone that younger than me, Connor Bronick out of Ravenna, went and played at University of Nebraska Kearney. Mm-hmm. He's playing in Spain right now. Um, you you can't really go too deep to count the guys playing professional basketball out of the state of Nebraska right now. Yeah. Um, but I do know what we've seen these last couple classes and this next class coming up here, especially a lot of guys out of Omaha, um, the Trout Kid out of Grand Island, there's some real good talent coming out of the state right now as well. Yes, and and Isaac Trout, we didn't mention, I think it might have been last week, um, got Nebraska and Creighton offers. On the same back. day, yep. Uh, just want to note, Nebraska's, uh, uh, Nebraska's offer announcement came out just a little bit before Creighton's. Mm. I don't want to read into anything too much, but um, just I'm not saying, but I am just saying. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that N- Nebraska guys playing professional basketball. It's it's not uh, it's not something you see too often. And Lance Jeter didn't play in Nebraska at high school, but was uh, a Husker. He played a lot of his uh, career with uh, Jason Deruso there mm-hmm. at Donar as well. Not all five championships, but um, was definitely a part of some of them uh, with him. So congrats to Deruso. Um, if he is done with his basketball career, we'll uh, we'll have to have him on here. Um, on the KLI and Husker Hour to talk about his career over there. Officially a Dutch citizen. Yeah, that was a few years back, and pretty cool. Um, you saw, uh, you've seen a few. Um, I think it was a Kelsey Griffin who became an Australian yep. citizen as mm-hmm. well. Um, so you, you've had some former Huskers do that. You get tied to that team and that place, and, and that's uh, that's a cool deal. So, uh, congrats to Deruso. Uh, we're wrapping up our show right after this with more uh, reopening talk with football. How well is it going? And uh, is it going to happen on time? We'll talk about that next. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. The question on everybody's mind, will football look like football? Will football be played? Will football finish the season? Will football start on time? There's There's been a lot of stuff that's come out yet again uh, during the week, that's what we do here on Saturday mornings. We just kind of try to summarize it all and make sense of it. Um, mm-hmm. What What did you see this week that, that gave you reason for optimism and then maybe something that gave you reason for pessimism? I mean, we, you got to start with the reason for pessimism, and that's seeing the South Dakota State Athletic Director say they're not testing anyone at all. <laughs> um, that immediately right there says, hey, there's probably going to be some issues. Now we have to figure out how to regulate a lot of that. You see the, the numbers continue to grow. Yeah. Now, the, the optimism part... We had Governor Pete Ricketts on again on Road to Recovery. He says there will be football. No, that's there's no direct correlation from the governor of a state with the football that's going on. But even with seeing the the number of cases rise and seeing the way programs are are handling uh, their cases, what's given me optimism is watching these professional sports leagues yeah. uh, announce they're coming back. Announce that if someone in the Premier League test positive how they're getting them out um a few players uh tested positive before the travelers on the on the pga tour that still went on they just had to go self-isolate those guys and their caddies and some other guys just withdrew even though they had negative tests i've remained optimistic because we've been watching sports go on Hmm. even with them having positive tests and that gives me plenty of optimism about this football season going on in the fall as well 
Yeah, I, I would say one of the things that kind of caught me off guard was uh, was that fact that the you have the D two school that canceled their More football House, season yeah. already. Um, they're uh, an HBCU. There's some other HBCUs who are considering the same thing. Well, there's been a few HBCUs over the last week leave their conference, mm-hmm. leave the MEAC to go to the SWAC. Yeah. So there's definitely some uh, some rumbling there um, that that puts you off a little bit. But no, I I think one of the encouraging signs is that you still have. Look, some some schools aren't reporting their numbers, and that's that's not good necessarily for transparency. But that's fine because you you do want to keep you know player health you know sort of to themselves. You don't need to release names, but numbers are are, are different. Uh, I was encouraged to see that Maryland still had zero cases. Yeah, that um, was yeah. You, I, You've seen a lot of the, I think a lot of the other stories that break through more are the ones where, oh, Clemson and, you know, a bunch more people. Uh, Texas had a bunch. K-State had to shut down their, uh, their off-season workout program last week or early this week. Houston did that as well. Yeah. So, so the fact that you have Maryland, um, that is up in the Northeast, uh, that is in the Big Ten, uh, those, those two aspects, I think in particular are pretty, pretty good, uh, to see because, the Northeast got hit really hard early on. I think that might be why the, the the people up there are a little bit more vigilant because they saw it happen a lot closer to home. Maybe that's going to, as cases rise right now in late June and early July, maybe that will wake up the players and the, the staffs and, and the people around the program to the fact that, hey, this is not going away. We still need to remain very vigilant, and maybe this is a wake-up call that can help that vigilance before you get closer to the college football season reopening back up. And we did see uh, the NBA tested, I believe, 302 or so players on Tuesday had a 5% positivity rate. So we're, we're seeing with, with sports coming back, with teams coming back, um, they're able to handle the positives. We still need to hear from the Big Ten Conference what that policy is going to be. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we hear that in the next week. Greg Sharp, voice of the Huskers, keeps telling us by July 4th, we're going to hear something out of the Big Ten Conference. We need to know what that policy is going to be. If it's going to be, you only can play your conference schedule. We've seen like the Patriot League essentially shutter their Mm non-conference. We have to know what these policies are going to be to have a better outlook on what things are going to look like in the fall. Yeah, very much so. And hey, if we know by the July 4th, that's our next show. We will know and we'll be able to tell you all about it next week. Uh, That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Uh, If you missed any of our show... Head to the Facebook page. Um, that's at KLIN Huskers. You can see us on Twitter at the same place, and uh, you can hit our podcast page at KLIN.com. Uh, we have uh, we will have a show next week, even through the holiday. We'll be here for you with uh, some of our best interviews from the last couple of months, as well as some live radio, live Facebook, and another position preview. Who will it be? Join next week and find out. Go Big Red.